This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. All glory to God. All glory to God. If it weren't for God and His grace and mercy, I would be, if I was still alive, probably lying on Durban Beach trying to get a suntan in winter. Because that was my greatest goal in life. And I'm not kidding. And I never wanted to leave Durban. I never wanted to go out of that city for any reason. Any reason. I had no ambition, no goal at all. Can I have a little more monitor, please? Thank you. And a little more sound in the auditorium as well. A little reverb as well, just a touch. So, I'm very grateful to God for His mercy, right? Are you glad, grateful to God for His mercy in your life? Just astounds me. What God has done in all of our lives, it just astounds me. I'm always in awe of what God is doing in all of our lives. And I'm never, ever ungrateful. Praise God. Amen? We are just simply a glove on His hand. That's all we are. And we are simply a paintbrush in the, paint, in the hand of the master painter. And the paintbrush can't say to the other paintbrush, look what a great painting I've painted. Right? The paintbrush can't say to the other paintbrush, look what a great painting I've painted. Say this. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So I said that Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. I wonder if that's just a nice cliche or did Jesus mean that? Do you think Jesus meant that? We need to believe that because it's the truth, right? Amen. All right. Tonight's message is very important. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to come together to teach the Word of God and make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I am trusting in you, and therefore I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for a supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind. Bring understanding, removing confusion, that you will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling all fear, and we'll give you all the praise, the honor and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by our spirit here today, in Jesus' wonderful name, and all those who love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. So we're at camp meeting, celebration, Monday night, the first night. Praise God. The message tonight is titled, More Than Conquerors, More Than Conquerors, and I believe it's going to have a profound effect on all of our lives. I began to seek God about my message for South Africa, hearing on the news and 
social media, what was going on, and also from local people, what was going on here in the country, I knew that God needed to give me something to inspire the believers, to empower the believers, to equip the believers to deal with this problem. Because this can only be solved in the spirit realm. No other organization can solve this problem. The challenges we are experiencing here can be solved by the church and only the church. We have the power. We have the weapons, spiritual weapons. I'm not talking about natural weapons. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me as a man. As a man. All authority in existence. That means every government, every air force, every navy, every army, whatever authority they have, it's all wrapped up in Christ. He is the total sum of all authority. Every authority there is, Christ is the sum total of all of it. You understand that? And then what he said is, I'm giving that to you, the church. And he left. He said, therefore, you go. Whatever you bind is bound, whatever you allow is allowed. Whatever you command in my name, I'll do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what you saw here tonight, the miracles, Jesus did that so God can get glory. Whatever you command in my name, I'll do it. Why? So the Father can be glorified. When you understand that you step out to do a miracle in the name of Jesus, because God wants glory, then you'll do it with boldness. That's the purpose. And if you give the glory to Him, He'll use you more and more. That's the key. You understand that? All right, so you have been given all authority in heaven and earth. And when Jesus left, He has not interfered. He has not interfered in anything that's taking place on the earth. Everything he does, he does through the church. He won't do anything outside of the church. If Jesus is going to win souls by himself, he would have won the whole world by now because it's not the will of God that any should perish and all should come to repentance. So nobody would go to hell. If it was God's will, and it is, and it was all up to God, everybody would be saved. And if it was all up to God, all Christians would tithe. <laughs> it was all up to God, <laughs> all Christians would win souls. <laughs> it was all up to God, Christians would never miss church. If it was all up to God, there'd be no wars. It's not all up to God. He left it all in our hands. He did what the first, what he gave the first Adam, he has given to us through the second Adam. Are you with me, child of God? We have to understand who we are. We have to understand our authority. We have to understand if we speak out in the spirit realm, we are going to empower the angels and scatter the demons. We have to understand who we are. So this message is about all of that. Amen. Now, I got born again September 12, 1971. in a, a church in Devon North 
Living Waters for Gospel Church. The pastor's name was Pastor George Dillman, a wonderful man of God, a man of integrity, a man of character, who loved God dearly. And when I got saved, at that time I was running nightclubs, I was, um, I was a DJ, I don't know if we've got a picture of that, might show it, there you go. I had my own nightclubs, I was 23 years old when I got saved. And um, so you can see, I'm a different man. <laughs> Maybe you can notice I'm a little different. So anyhow, <laughs> my wife says I'm still hot. I say to her, whatever you do, don't ever buy glasses. Don't ever buy glasses. Praise the Lord. Now then, um, so when I got saved, I took many people to church. Dozens. I got I put in my car and took to church every week. And many got born again at the church and stayed in the church. And um, some of my friends went, they felt the call of God in their heart, and they went to Bible school at the Full Gospel Bible School in Irene. Now, the Full Gospel Church had a heart after God. They loved God. They're sincere people. They're doing their best for God. But their message, their teaching is mixed with tradition and religious ideas. And so it was a watered-down, not pure word of God. And so when the students came out of Bible school and started churches, I don't know of any of my friends that succeeded. I don't know of any. There might be one or two. I know some failed immediately. Some failed way down the road. But I know I wanted to go into the ministry and if I'd gone, I would have come out, started a church, and I would have failed because it's the doctrine, it's the teaching that wasn't going to put me over. And so, if I'd gone, I would have probably been selling houses today and going to church somewhere and tithing and giving offerings and still trying to take people to church. So I would have been a different person. But six months after I got saved, I went and got a job for Bear Brothers in a store called Zodiac Furnishers on West Street, in a modern store. <clears throat> and um, so that when I arrived there, a man came walking in the store one day, put his hand out and said, my name is Dennis Taylor. I work across the street in a furniture store called McNamee's, which is right next to uh, Lewis Stores, another furniture store. And he said, I saw in the newspaper in the entertainment section that picture, and at the top it said, Theo turns the tables. It was the front page, the whole page, Theo turns the tables, meaning I used to be a DJ and now I've changed to become a Christian. And I gave it up. I gave it all up. So um, <clears throat> he said, I saw your picture in the paper and I heard that you were working right here across the street. 
And then God spoke to me and told me to give you this. And he had me six small cassette tapes. Now, we used to use 8-track in those days. I don't suppose any of you know what that is. And uh, cassette tapes just came out at that time. So, these six cassette tapes were teachings of Kenneth E. Hagin's. See, God told me to give you this. I never heard who he was. I never knew, never heard of his name before. I was only six months old in the Lord. It's 1972, around about March, I'd say. So, I thanked him, and I went home and listened to them. I got so into it, that I wrote away, and I got all of his tapes and books. And then I spent two hours every day, two hours every day at night, studying. I took those tapes and books, read them, and everything he said, there were two or three or four scriptures to confirm it. I wrote the scriptures in the Bible, see if they really meant what they said. He made a statement. The scriptures back it up. I looked up the Bible to see if it was true. And I wrote all that in my Bible. So I wrote in my Bible from beginning to end. I did that two hours a day for about 10 years. About 10 years. But then when Pastor Bev and I started the ministry, everything I taught, and also from all of my books, I've written in my books, Everything I've written in my books and everything I've taught from the pulpit, I've always prepared my messages, making sure that my message is in harmony with the foundation of the Word of God that was laid in my heart through those 10 years of study. So everything I taught was in harmony with that. It never contradicted that. Does that make sense? Like tonight, my message is in harmony with what I learned. That's my foundation now. It's in my heart. The result of that word of God in me has changed me. So today, what God has produced through my life, my wife, is 1,200 churches around the world with approximately 200,000 people attending these churches with 72 Bible schools, anywhere between 5,000 and 3,000 people attending, studying the Word of God any one time of the year. Now, if we had to rewind all of those 40 years and all those churches and Bible schools back in time, rewind, all of this that you see would go right back into those six cassette tapes. Those six tapes is the seed and what you're seeing is a tree with its fruit. Now, you see, it's the Word of God. Now, listen to this. Now, here's the thing that I've been thinking about. If I didn't get those six tapes, if I didn't get them, if they weren't given to me, I might have gone to full gospel church and been a totally different man today. Here I am, this man. There I would have been another man defeated, disappointed, discouraged. A Christian, I would give up my faith, but I would have had no results in life to show for my 
trusting God or loving God. So the Word of God is what made the difference in my life. Now, so I've taught the Word of God, the plain, clear Word of faith, all these years. And the Word of God has gone into the hearts and lives of many thousands of people and many hundreds of people have taken that Word very seriously, studied it, digested it, and done what I did. They built a foundation in their lives of the teachings I've been giving them from my books and my messages. And now they're preparing their own messages in harmony with the foundation they received from me. So one person passes it on to the next person. That's how this works, all right? And uh, so I can tell you many stories of people's lives that have been impacted by the Word. It's not me, it's the Word, you understand that, of God. And I'm just going to give you three stories tonight. I prepared many stories to share with you, but I don't have the time, as I want to teach. So here's my story. I've done that. That's one. I talked to you about uh, Dr. Shikha, and he is, yeah, somewhere around. Where is he? Stand up, Dr. Shikha. Now, he came to South Africa from the Congo in October 1995. Shika got gloriously saved at CFC Johannesburg. A few days later, he was employed as a security guard because he was the all-African kickboxing champion, and he guarded the Congo president. So when he came here, naturally, I employed him as a security guard. After working in the church as a security guard, he began to run a fellowship group, and the group grew and multiplied, and soon he became a voluntary pastor. Shika and Francine were so successful, it brought them onto full-time staff as pastors. Once again, they grew in their area, and Dr. Bev and I sent them to start a church in Hillbrow, a very easy place to start a church, right? And in just a few years, they have more than 2,000 people attending church there in Hillbrow. And uh, they have planted several churches in other countries as well. Now, if it were not for the Word of God in their life, Dr. Shika might still be a security guard somewhere. But today, he and Dr. Francine are making a difference in the lives of thousands of people. It's the Word of God. That's all it is. It's the Word of God. Rob and Deline Quayle, no, um, they're not here tonight. They've got something going on. They are here? They're in the family room. They're in the family room. Oh, okay, fine. Hi, Rob and Deline. Uh, they, they say they really began to grow in Christ in 1983 when they joined CFC Johannesburg. They began to tithe. They began learning how to use their spiritual authority and how to exercise their faith. They became doers of the Word and got involved in the worship team and the sound department. And Rob was working in the car park parking cars. Deline sensed the call to pursue teaching as a career. God began to deal with Deline to start a Christian school of excellence, a Christian school of excellence. 
where children would receive a strong academic education, a school where biblical studies were taught as part of the curriculum. So Dr. Bev and I agreed to let them start their school in the children's church facilities of the church. In 1994, Bedfordview Christian College opened its doors with 42 students and five hardworking teachers. That's 1994. In 2003, with 650 students, a second campus was purchased and a high school was built. Today, this Bedfordview campus has close to 1,500 students with 130 teachers, not including all the admin staff. In 2012, God sent some major financial backing to them. This allowed them to grow to nine schools in South Africa, two in the United Kingdom, and three in Australia. Now, 25 years later, Deline says, when we look back at what God has done to make a difference through our lives, for so many children over the years, we are in absolute awe of the goodness of God. Deline says, we are truly grateful to God for planting us in CFC, our spiritual home, and for the solid, uncompromising teaching we have received, which we have put into practice over these many years. It's the teaching they put into practice. Now, there's many people, the word goes in, the word goes out. But Jesus said, if you hear the word and do the word, you're building a house on the solid rock. But if you hear it only and don't do it, you're building a life on the sand. You're going to will spend the rest of your life. You're never going to go anywhere. You'll never amount to anything. I promise you right now, if you don't study the word of God, eat it, feed on it, it will not help you. It's getting awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. I love the Presbyterians, but we are not a quiet Presbyterian church. If you can't say amen, say ouch. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. If we just let the word come in here and out here, it's not going to help us. You've got to say, I'm coming to church to receive the word because I'm going to act on it. I'm going to do it. I'm a doer of the word of God. That's when it makes a difference in your life. And that's what these people have done. All right? So, now then. It's the word of God that changed Robin Deline Quayle from caterpillars into butterflies. They have been instrumental in changing the lives of thousands of school students through the years using the same word of God that they have listened to at CFC through the years. If they were not in the word of God, Deline might have remained a school teacher in a government school somewhere. But praise God, they're making the difference in the lives of thousands of students who are going to grow up, get married, have children, and teach their children. That's what the Word of God has done for them. The last person I want to talk about, I've got many I can talk about, is Dr. Alan Bagg. I was, he says, I was raised attending a church that thought, this is an amazing story, listen to this that taught that the age of miracles had passed away, that we could pray with the understanding that God would do something only if He wanted to do it. As I grew up, I became very negative towards the church 
and wanted nothing to do with Christians. My mother, Lori Henry, had tried many times to lead me to the Lord until one day, in an explosion of outrage, I told her if she ever taught, brought up anything to do with church, the Bible, etc., I'd walk out of her life and she would lose me as a son forever. Janine, my wife, was diagnosed with fibrous dysplasia. Did I say that right, Dr. Ellen? In her femur, uh, upper leg bone. It is a disease where scar-like fibrous tissue develops in place of normal bone. This irregular tissue can weaken and affect bone and cause it to deform or fracture. She had a major operation where they cut out the affected bone and replaced it with a stainless steel bar. It took months of agonizing recovery to learn to walk again. In 1989, Janine developed pain in her lower leg. An x-ray showed that fibrous dysplasia had showed up in her fibula, the minor bone behind the tibia, tibia the lower leg bone. I hope I'm saying this right. <laughs> the doctor said they would have to remove the fibula. This is, of course, devastating Janine. While we were informing the, the family, my mother told Janine that Jesus would heal her. I once again got very angry and said, this is exactly what I told my mother not to do and that our relationship was now over. Janine requested that even if I did not want to go to church, would I at least come to the first time she goes to support her. Just one time. I reluctantly complied, wanting to act at least. Uh, I reluctantly complied, uh, wanting to at least be there for Janine. In that meeting, Apostle Theo asked the pastors to stand in front of the platform and called everyone who needed healing to come forward. Went to one of the pastors. When he prayed for Janine, she fell to the ground. When she came around, the pain had left her. She went the next day for x-rays before the operation. The doctor was astounded. The x-ray showed there was no trace of fibrous dysplasia in her bone. No trace. He even showed us the x-rays side by side, before and after, where it was present before. The doctor said it was a permanent deformity, and now it was gone. He canceled the operation. I went home that day and went straight to my study. With tears in my face, I said, I do not know about the God CFC was telling me about. But, I, but a God who would, teach, who would reach out through my blasphemy, through my anger, and heal my wife without a guarantee that I'd ever say thank you, that God I want to know. And I give my life to serve that God. From that day on, I could not wait to get to church on Sundays to hear what Apostle Theo was revealing next about our awesome God. I would spend the week poring over the notes from his messages and digging through the scriptures to see if it really was so. Listen to this, family. Because it was so different. 
to what I had been taught before, digging through the Scriptures. I cried out to God, why are more people not teaching this Bible? And I heard the voice of God audibly speak to me, booming in my spirit, would you, would you, would you teach it? At that moment, I knew nothing else mattered in my life, and I had to obey God's call. I saturated myself in studying the Word of God. In 1993, we came to full-time ministry, the Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev. In 1994, four and a half years after being saved, we were sent by Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev to plant the Bay Christian Family Church in Somerset West. Praise the Lord. 25 years later, we have grown to five campuses across the Western Cape with over 5,000 members. We have, spent, we have sent out and planted further 10 other churches. We praise God for His love and mercy, His grace, and His call to be in this awesome household of faith. Thank you, Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev, for being the wonderful father and mother of faith that you are. Jean and I will forever be grateful for your faithful teaching and revealing the living Word of God to us. It was the Word of God that healed Janine and changed Dr. Allen's life. Without the Word, where would they be today? God's, change, God's Word changed them from caterpillars to butterflies. Without the Word, Janine would not be healed and Dr. Allen wouldn't even come to our church. They wouldn't be in the ministry. And think of the thousands that would not have heard the Word through their life. And they are making a difference in the lives of thousands of people throughout the world, actually, throughout the world. That's the power of the Word of God. So, when I share the Word here tonight, and I'm going to start teaching now, that was just my introduction. This message is so important. Please listen very carefully. And I encourage you, if you're not going to take notes, I encourage you to listen to this again with a pen and notepad in your Bible. If you're going to just listen tonight, make sure you get this in your Bible. If you're writing your Bible, you'll grow much faster than if you don't. All right. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So there you can see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved here. And God said, that word God is Elohim, which is plural. And God said, let us, plural, make man in our image, plural, according to our likeness, plural. You got it? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christ was here before he accepted a human body many years before. So let us make man, how? In our image, in our likeness. Not like a cat or a dog. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let them have dominion. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over it, the fish of the sea, dominion over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now the word subdue means conquer, overcome, master, tame, bring into subjection. And the word dominion means to rule as the owner. So God gave Adam lordship and ownership of all his creation. In fact, Adam was now the God of this world. And I can prove that in the Bible in just a moment. God has a dream to create man in his own image and likeness. Why is that? I'm sure there are many reasons, and I'd like to mention two. Number one, as a loving father, God wanted a family he could love and who would love him in return of their own free will. Number two, God wanted fellowship with the creation on his own level. You wouldn't enjoy fellowshipping with an old cow all night. You talk to somebody on your level, right? God never created a failure. Say that. God never created a failure. God created a conqueror, an overcomer, a ruler. God created someone in his own image and likeness. That's who you are. Unfortunately, Adam yielded to Satan's temptations. He ate the forbidden fruit. Because of this, Adam lost supernatural ability, which God gave him, that worked through him. Adam was cut off from God because of his sin, and Adam lost that intimate fellowship with God. Satan immediately began to dominate Adam. He saw Adam as defenseless and helpless, so it was no difficult challenge for the devil to dominate Adam without God's help. And the devil intimidated Adam. Satan told Adam how weak he was, how useless he was. Satan made Adam sick, stole his money, caused him to fight with his neighbor. Satan put evil thoughts into the heart of man. A man was totally lost and without hope in the world. God intended for man to fellowship with him on God's level and manage the entire earth with God's wisdom and ability. But unfortunately, sin destroyed all of that. The only way God could recapture man, help man, rescue man from his dilemma was to send a new Adam to start all over again. The only way to rescue man is to send a new Adam. 1 Corinthians 15. A perfect sinless Adam had to be sent to the earth to undo the works of the first Adam and give birth to a brand new creation. God needed to start all over again with a brand new creation. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 from the Amplified Translation. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. 
and individual personality. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. But it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. Natural man came, then Christ came. The first man, Adam, was out of the earth, made of dust, earthly-minded. The second man, Christ, is the Lord from heaven, out of heaven. Skip over that next verse, go to 49. And just as we have become the image, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so, she, we, so, we, so shall we, and so let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. So this, just as I bore the image of the first Adam, just like the second, just like the first Adam, so I bear the image of the second Adam. I'm just like Jesus, the second Adam. So how do we take on the image of the first Adam? We have to get born on the earth. How do we take on the image of the new Adam, Christ? We have to get born again. John 3, 7. You must be born again. How many of you have been born twice? So you've been born again, right? Okay. When I confess that Jesus Christ is my Savior, and that He is the Lord of my life, the life of Jesus is born into my spirit, into my heart. As I give my life to Jesus in covenant action, his life comes into me as a result of the covenant. He gave his life to me, and I give my life to him. The two lives become one life. At that moment, I'm born into God's family. That's how I become a son of the second Adam. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by a special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. The life of Christ entered into your spirit through the preaching of God's Word. 1 Peter 1, 23, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. So this, I've been born again through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. The scripture tells us that we have been born again through the word of God, which is incorruptible seed. It means can never fail. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So say that because I have given my life to Christ and he is in me, I am a new creation, a new species of being. 1 Peter 2.11, dear brothers and sisters, you are foreigners and aliens here on the earth. So that I'm a foreigner, I'm an alien, an alien in the earth. Why? Because you are a new creation from heaven. You've been born out of heaven. You are a new species of being. 
Do you understand this? There's only two kinds of people in this world, as far as God is concerned. That's the living and the dead. You are the living. Those who don't know Christ are the dead. They're dead in their sins. Separate from God who is life. It's not black, white, pink, yellow, purple. That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. God said there's no male, nor female, nor Jew, nor Greek. We're all one in Christ. I'm just going by what God said. You understand that? We are all one in Christ. One body. One spirit with Christ. We are one family. When you get to heaven one day, you're not going to say, well, you pink, you black, you white, you yellow. You're not going to see that. We'll all be different colors, but we're all one body with Christ. Christ is the head. We are his body. Christ is the head. We are his body. Do you understand that, church? We are one man with Christ. Now then, what is God's image of this new creation? How does he see it? God sees you back in fellowship with himself. On the same level of fellowship that he had with Jesus. The fellowship that Jesus and God has is the same fellowship you have with God. Exactly the same, on the same level. And God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. If God didn't love you as much as he loved Jesus, he would never have given Jesus to pay for you. God sees you ruling and reigning over all circumstances of this life through Christ. When God looks at you, He sees you ruling and reigning over every circumstance of life. Why is that? Because that's what He paid for on the cross. And with His faith, that's what He sees. And that's what He says about you. He says in Romans 8.37, You are more than a conqueror. That's what He sees. Now what we see needs to change and line up with what he sees. Hello? God sees you in the image of Christ. Romans 8, 29. God also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Through the born again experience, we have been born into the very image of Christ. Say that, I've been born again in the very image of Christ. 1 John 4, 17 says, As Christ is, so are we in this world. Say this, I have been born again in the very image of Christ. Say, Christ and I are one. Somebody said, Pastor Theo, I see the Bible says, I am made into the image of Christ. Even now, while I'm living on the earth, however, I find it very hard to believe because I know all my faults 
and my failings. What you're saying is true. You do have faults and failings. However, this is temporal truth. Temporal truth. That means it's truth that can be changed. All your failings and faults is temporal truth. It can be changed. God's word is legal truth. It is eternal truth. It can never be changed. Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So what God says about you is final authority. What you have to do is start saying, this is what God says I am. This is what God says I have. I'm going to say that. And when you start saying that and line your confession up with God's confession, you'll start walking in that. You'll change and grow and become what God has destined you to be. You'll change from the caterpillar into the butterfly. God's image of us is far greater than we can ever imagine. We can begin to experience and enjoy what God says we are if we begin to see ourselves that way. We must change our heart image of ourselves by reprogramming our thinking with the Word of God. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Say that what I think about myself in my heart, that's who I am. That's why it's so important to keep coming to church, to keep listening to sermons like this. Someone said, Pastor Theo just brainwashes you. They always used to say that. Don't go to that church, you'll just get brainwashed. And then I had to say to them, it's true. It's true. And that you need your brains washed. Because our brains have been filled with stinking thinking from this world. And the devil's lies try to intimidate us. We have to understand who God says we are. We have to wash our brains with that. Now let's look at God's image of us. Let's see how God sees us. In Numbers 13, Moses sent 12 spies to spy out the land of Canaan. Ten of the spies said, we can't take the land of Canaan. Two spies said, we can. Do you know why those ten spies said they could not take the land? It was because of their unbelief. Because of their lack of faith, they end up having a bad image of themselves. Because of a lack of faith, they end up having a bad image of themselves. Listen to their words. Numbers 13, 33. Then we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. We see ourselves as grasshoppers standing before the giants, and the giants look at us, and they say, you're a grasshopper. Now, how do they know what the giants are thinking? This is their own image of themselves. That's all it is. Their own image of themselves. Some Christians have that grasshopper image of themselves. Most Christians have that grasshopper image of themselves. Most Christians. The only thing that can ever change that is the Word of God. No psychiatrist, no psychologist can change that. 
No course of positive confessions can change that. Only the Word of God can change that. What is God's image of you and me? Romans 8, 15. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should not see yourself like a grasshopper. You should behave instead like God's very own children. Adopted into His family, calling Him Father, dear Father. For His Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we will share His treasures for everything God gives to His Son Christ is ours too. Everything God has given to Christ is ours as well. And I'm not just talking about his, what He owns. All of heaven, we're going to enjoy that. It's His, we're going to enjoy it like it's ours. But I'm also talking about His character, His wisdom, His ability, His nature. We have the mind of Christ. We have the life of Christ. The wisdom of Christ. The righteousness of Christ. Everything that He is, is ours too. If you want to know who I am, look at Christ. Look at Christ, because what's His is mine too. I didn't say that. It's in my Bible. We have to brainwash ourselves with this truth. Whatever God did for Christ at the resurrection, He was doing for you and me. Whatever He did for Christ at the resurrection, He was doing for you and me. Whatever God did to Christ at the resurrection, He was doing to us. Christ was our substitute. He was there in our place on our behalf. God paid for you to have all the attributes of Christ, all the qualities of Christ, all the ability of Christ, the nature and character of Christ. For example, we are wise with Christ's wisdom, strong with Christ's strength. We are righteous with Christ's righteousness, and I am alive with the life of Christ. I am complete in Christ. That's who you are. That's how God sees you. That's what God says you are. And to behave any other way is to call God a liar. Ephesians 4.24 You must display a new nature. Why? Because you are a new person. You are a new creation. Created in God's likeness. So that the new creation is created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. Say this, I am created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. In, 19, in 2015, we were in Hawaii, and I had a dream. I dreamt I was in hell where the Lord Jesus was suffering three days and nights. Now, if you don't believe that, he was in hell for three days and nights, keep my book on the blood covenant. I've got overwhelming scriptures, tons of them, to prove that. So I don't want to argue with you. I've already done my research. It's all there. 
all the scriptures, all right? So, I dreamt I was in hell and I saw Christ suffering. When the life of God, the Spirit of God, entered into him, I had this dream. And he came back from death into life. He died spiritually, separated from God. Why have you forsaken me? Separated from God who is life. He took our death, spiritual. Then the Spirit of God came back and entered him on the third day. He died because of our sins. And he was raised to life because of our righteousness. He was raised to life because God said, you are forgiven. When God said, I forgive the human race, Christ didn't have to stay in hell anymore and came up. The evidence, the evidence that you are forgiven is the resurrection. Now listen very carefully. He died for our sin and he raised because of our righteousness. Now, when that happened, Christ was there on our behalf. Whatever God did to Christ and for Christ, he was actually creating a new species of being. He was actually creating a new human race, a supernatural race. And so here's the point I'm making. When that happened to Christ there in, this, in hell, in that trillionth of a second, when I was spiritually aware of all this, at the moment the life of God touched him, at the same time it hit me right in my spirit. And I became transformed into the image of Christ in that dream. All the attributes of Christ entered me. And I woke up and I thought, what's that about? And the Spirit of God showed me this fact. That when Christ was raised from the dead, the entire human race was raised from the dead at the same time. Salvation was bought for every person that ever walked the earth and ever will walk the earth right there. What God did to Jesus, God's done for all of us right there. He was our substitute. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you. I'm not Christ, but he and I are one. He's Christ. I'm a man. You understand that? But he and I are one, and you and him are one. There are many scriptures that confirm that. I'll show you in a minute. Now, most Christians are sincere with God, but most Christians are very weak with their Christianity. This is because they don't know what God's Word says about them. Christians are weak because they don't know what God's Word says about them. And because they never dared to confess what God's Word says about them, they're weak. They have never dared to confess that they are what the Bible says they are and that they have what the Bible says they have. In fact, many Christians confess defeat and many Christians confess failure or lack. And by doing so, they give Satan control over their lives. When we confess lack or defeat or failure, we talk about those things. We give Satan lordship over our lives. We're not being humble by talking about our problems. If you talk about your problem, it'll grow. If you talk to your problem, it'll go. Amen. And you'll turn molehills into mountains if you talk about them. 
but you can turn mountains into molehills if you talk to them in your life. Amen? You might not see anything happening, but it's all happening under the radar. God's taking care of it. But He can't do a thing until you speak. Amen? Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you allow is allowed. And unfortunately, some pastors do this from the platform. They confess their problems, their weaknesses, and their failings. They're trying to be relevant. But they're placing themselves in the entire church under the lordship of the devil to control their life. They're giving him lordship. You give the devil lordship with your words. You open the door to the devil or you close the door to the devil with your words. Whatever God did for Christ and the resurrection, God did for us. Whatever God did to Christ and the resurrection, God did to us. Let's prove that quickly, then I'll close. When Christ, crucified, when Christ was crucified, you were crucified. Colossians 3.3. 3. For you died when Christ died. Is that in your Bible? Can you see that? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. If one died for all, then all died. So you died when Christ died. Correct? Well, when Christ was buried, you were buried. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we were buried with Him. So that I was buried when He was buried. When Christ came back to life, we came back to life with Him. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, God made alive made alive, uh, made us alive together with Christ. Said that I was made alive together with Christ 2,000 years ago. When Christ was raised to sit in the right hand of God, so were you. Ephesians 2, 6. And raised us up together. And raised us up together. When God was, when God seated Christ at the right hand in heaven, He seated you on the right hand of God in heaven the same time. Ephesians 2, 6. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that I am seated in heaven, in Christ, on the right hand of God. The place of supreme authority. Now say this. I am to rule and to reign from my seated position I am to enforce all the victories Christ won on the cross by speaking Christ's words and the will of God. I am to enforce the victory of Christ that He won the cross. I am sitting in the completed work of Christ. I am victorious in His victory. I am overcoming with His overcoming. I am above only and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Praise God. Amen. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Say, God made me. When? Created in Christ Jesus. So that when God rose Christ, raised Christ from the dead, God created the new creation at that time. I am God's workmanship. I was created 
to be like Christ in Christ when he was raised from the dead. This is a completed fact. This is the word of God that cannot change. And the way you feel has nothing to do with the word of God. The word of God cannot change. You are who God says you are no matter how you feel about it. And it's time that you start changing your thinking and confess what God says instead of what the devil says. You are going to be taking charge in this world. You're going to be taking charge. Now, I'm just getting warmed up. Now, tomorrow, I'm going to continue with this subject right from where I left off. Talking about your victory and your authority in this world. I'm going to continue with that tomorrow afternoon, all right? Sorry, I just get angry at the devil's lies. That he's, he's lied to the people of God. Lied to the people of God. We're not going to believe his lies. The truth will set you free. Amen? Amen. God's not in control of everything in this world. He gave it to us. If he was in control, there'd be no wars. There'd be no fighting, there'd be no murders, no rapes, no deaths, no poverty. Everybody be saved right now, and the rapture would happen. God gave it to you. Don't wait for God. God's waiting for you. You know what the will of God is? You've got to speak it, child of God. You've got to act on it. When problems come, don't say, what are we going to do now? Just say, I know what we're going to do. We're going to act like the Bible's true. We're going to just act like the Bible's true. And who knows? Maybe it is. How thinketh thou? Is the Bible true or not? It is true. Say that the Bible is true. I'm going to act like it is. I'm victorious. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Thanks be to God who always gives me the victory through Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who guides me from one victory to another. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Oh,